we are going to continue. We've been in a message uh, series that we have titled Stuck. All right? And we've been talking about all sorts of things that are holding us back, things that are keeping us from being free, things that are keeping us from experiencing uh, really everything that it is that God has for us. But today, we are going to take a crazy turn. All right? We are starting a brand new message series. And hold on, this is going to blow your mind. Are you guys ready for this? Okay, I don't know if you can handle this creativity. All right, the title of this new series is Unstuck. All right, and can we just give a hand for our little turtle who has finally, after like two months, made it off of his back and on. <laughs> All right, I know, it's amazing. We flipped the turtle, we put on in front of stuck. You guys are like, these guys are geniuses. All right, I know you aren't impressed. <laughs> there are, here's the idea though. This is what, this is what we said. This was never part of the plan to go from stuck to into, into unstuck. But as we've been praying about this, talking about this, we're like, you know what, there are a lot of things that, that cause people to be stuck in their life, that keep them from moving forward, uh, areas that, that people are not free in, things that we carry with us everywhere we go, and that's what we've been talking about. But there are also some very specific things that we can be doing proactively, things that can kind of jumpstart our life, growth in our life, especially spiritual growth in our lives. And some of these things, like, we can do. Some of them are spiritual disciplines, all right? Some of them are just uh, things that we need to be proactive in. Some of them are just changing our mindset and the way that we look at things, all right? Uh, so understand this, though. Sometimes the reason that we are stuck is because we are not doing something, all right? Like, when your car gets stuck, sometimes it's because of snow or mud or ice or a ditch, that you didn't see for some reason, all right? Like your car gets stuck that way. Sometimes your car gets stuck because you failed to put gas in it, all right? How many of you guys like to push the limits of your tank? Anybody else here? All the time. I'm like, oh, come on. You say I got 17 miles left? I can easily make it to Sock Center, right? Like the sign says it's about 17 miles. I got this. And, and we take off. I've only ran out of gas once. All right, it's only one time. All right, so, uh, but the, the idea is this, like, you get stuck because there's something that you didn't do, that you are missing out on. All right, I'm telling you, many of us here today, uh, you might be stuck in your spiritual life because there are things that you are not doing, not because of the things that you are doing or things that are in your life. So today, we start unstuck, and over the next few weeks, we are going to look at some specific things uh, that we think we can do to help us become unstuck. So I want to just ask, would you just stand with me across this place as we just open up in prayer, as we get ready for God to speak to us. So God, I pray right now, Lord, for those of us that maybe life has just kind of uh, felt stuck lately, that we have just felt like something is missing or something isn't right, or we have things in our life that are pulling us back. God, that this morning, that we would just be able to hear from you, from you so clearly and that you would just give us action steps that we can take to begin to move closer to you, God. So we just ask that in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. Today as we kick off this idea of unstuck, we are starting by talking about money and tithing. All right, now hold on here. I, right now, even just in saying that, I think some walls just went up in this room like, and some of us were like, oh man, all right. And, and I think this is the perfect topic, though, to transition from stuck to unstuck. Because really, the idea about money, money can cause you to be unstuck. 
or cause you to be stuck. But I think there are some things that we can do with money that actually will cause us to be unstuck. Ways that we can think about money, things we can do with money that are going to move us forward and really help us find freedom from the things in this world. All right, so maybe you're sitting here today and and this is your first time here or you haven't been here in a while and you're like, great. I show up and they're talking about money figures. I assumed this might happen. All right. Like the church just wants my money. I should have seen this coming. All right. Understand this though. That is not what this is. Some churches are struggling. Uh, Some pastors are getting up in front of their congregations asking for money because the church needs it, because they need to keep the doors open, the lights on, and the bills paid. All right. And that is not what this is. River of Life Church is in the healthiest place financially that it has ever been. All right, our church, River of Life Church, has grown every single year financially for the last 12 years. Every single year it has grown. Every year we have had more given than the previous year. And in 2019, we had this massive year, all right, where people were incredibly generous, people were just faithful and tithe, and and it was amazing to see. And then 2020 rolls around, and COVID hits, and everything gets crazy. And I want to tell you this, that in 2020, we actually had 10% growth over 2019. And 2019 was a crazy year. Like, it was amazing to see. And we had 10% growth in 2020. Like, that is crazy. And right now, in 2021, we are actually on track to have another 15% growth beyond 2020. Like, we are just in this incredibly healthy place. That's the church as a whole. Long Prairie, right here. We had close to a 30% growth. Financially, like that, it is, that's really not heard of, especially in a season like this. So I want to tell you, like, this is not talking about money because the church needs money to keep the lights on. All right, we have money in reserve funds. We are giving more money away to missions than we ever have before. We are hiring more staff so that we can have a greater impact and resource our church and its people more than ever. All right, I am not talking about tithing because the church needs it. I'm talking about tithing because you need it. All right, and so that is where we are going with this this morning. I love when the church is healthy financially because it allows me to get up and talk about money with no other motive than to teach what God's word says about money. All right, I don't feel any pressure this morning to get up here and be like, I really need to hit a home run because our church needs this. I have zero pressure. Honestly, like, this is about, I think that we need to hit a home run because our people need this. Like, this is a massive part uh, of living a Christian life. So, and I think some people think the church shouldn't talk about money. Well, I disagree. (laughs) Because I think the church should talk about the things that Jesus talked about. And I think the church should talk about things that are relevant in our lives. And money is really at the top of both of those lists. All right, it's going to be up in the top couple of both of those lists. Like, money is important. Money is something that is in our life. Relationships are ending because of finances. Stress in your life might be there because of finances. Money is a big deal. It's a big deal in your life. It's a big deal in parenting. It's a big deal in our families. Money, like, I, I wish it weren't, but it's part of our world. And I believe that's why Jesus talked about it so often. You know that two-thirds of the parables, he is talking about money, finances, stewardship in some way. All right, 10% of the verses in the gospel, these are rough statistics, talk about money. 
10% of the verses. And that's five times more than prayer and faith. There are 2,300 verses in Scripture that talk about finances. Like, this is a big part of what the Bible talks about. All right? And I think that we need to deal with this correctly. And I think we could show all sorts of scriptures that, that talk about what money can do to our heart and things that we need to be careful with. Uh, but the reality is, I think most often when we talk about those, it's so easy for us to say, uh, that's not me. That, that's somebody else. That applies to someone else. That's not what's going on in my heart. All right, so we're, just, we're not going to go there even with it. Billy Graham, a just respected evangelist pastor, uh, he said this, if a person gets his attitude toward money straight, it will help straighten out almost every area of his life. All right, so I want to quickly define this idea of tithe. Maybe you've never heard this word before. We're going to do a quick walk through the history of this word, all right? Uh, and, and maybe this is the first time you've heard it. Maybe you hear that word and you immediately just, the hair on your arms and neck just begin to stand up and you're like, I don't really want to talk about this, all right? But that's fine. All right, most of the Bible was written in Hebrew. And the word tithe comes from the Hebrew word maseir, all right? And it's pretty easy to define. It literally just means a tenth. Like that, that's what it is, tithe and tenth. The first place we see the word is in the book of Genesis chapter 14. All right, and here's what it says. It says, blessed be Abram, by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. All right, and that word tenth right there is our word, Maseir. All right, it's the word tithe in the Bible. Tenth and tithe are interchangeable. So Abram is there, and he, he's with a priest, Melchizedek, and, and the priest says, God has given you victory in this battle. And Abram says, okay, I realize God is with me. God has done so much for me. God has given me this victory. I want to give God a tenth of everything I have to say thank you to God. All right, a little bit later, Genesis 28, there's a man named Jacob, and he has this dream where God speaks to him and promises to be with him and bless him. All right, and then verse 20 tells us how Jacob responds. It says, then Jacob made a vow, saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I am taking and will give me... Er, Watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household. Then the Lord will be my God and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house and all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. All right, he says, everything I have, everything I have in the future, it's all from you and I'm gonna give back a tenth of everything that you give me. Now, there's nowhere in the Bible, like this idea of, of tithe and tenth that we see, there's no one where we really see someone be like 5%, 20%, like tenth means, or tithe means tenth. Like that's, that's what this is. All right, the third book of the Bible, the tithe is commanded from God to the Jewish people in the Jewish law. All right, now this, this scripture is not necessarily written for us, but I want us to see how this kind of keeps going through scripture. Leviticus chapter 27, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. A tenth of everything belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 14 talks about why they tithe, what they're doing with it. It says, be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. 
All right, there's something here for God about a tithe being connected to remembering God, uh, revering God, uh, having this fear of the Lord, all right? And then probably the most famous Old Testament passage of Scripture on tithing is from a book called Malachi. And this, this passage is really intense. All right, it's written to Jewish people who were not tithing of their income. All right, and it says this. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. All right, in the Old Testament, to these specific people, God says, you are actually robbing me by not bringing your tithes and offerings. And here's the result. Verse 9. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. So God says there's a problem. You're robbing me by not bringing your tithes and offerings. But there's a solution. Verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. This was God speaking to the Jewish people, but the parallel here is awesome, all right? Like, he's saying, you bring your tithe, the temple is full, and the temple is able to do what it's supposed to do. It can help people who are hurting. It can provide uh, the worship gatherings that, that it should. In the temple, it can help widows and orphans. So do, do we see this? We see this parallel here, even. The church has everything that it needs to do what it's supposed to do. The temple has everything that it needs to do what it's supposed to do. All right, and when people didn't tithe, then it didn't have what it needed. All right, these verses go on. It says, you know, you are robbing me. Stop it and bring your tithe to the storehouse so it can be full. And then God says this, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. All right, now listen, like, this was God speaking very specifically to these Jewish people at a specific time in history. And it can be a bit of a stretch anytime we take things from the Old Testament, things that God said to the Israelites, uh, laws that were for them, and if we try and immediately map everything onto us in our modern day. But what we do see here is this. We see a principle of tithing coming up over and over again, and just how important it was to God. And it's in this particular passage of Scripture, we see this idea of tithing connected with God's blessing. It says, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will, be, there will not be room enough to store it. Now, I believe biblically that tithing is, connecting, is connected to the blessing of God in our lives. But let me make this very clear, all right? Blessing doesn't always mean money. Blessing does not always mean money. Maybe you've heard some, someone say this or a pastor say like, if you give money, you're going to get even more money back. And that's just not biblical. Like there, there's nothing that says that. All right? It just says blessings. And, and honestly, money isn't necessarily the best blessing for some of us because a lot of us, the blessing that we need in our life is not financial. Like if we truly said, God, I need blessing in my life from you. Finances might not be the area that we need it most. All right? The blessing of God can show itself in different ways. In our relationships, in our children, in our physical bodies. There are all sorts of different ways. Blessing does not always equal money and money does not equal blessing. There are a lot of people who are very wealthy, but they are not blessed. All right? All this to say this, a tithe is a principle of returning to God the first 10% of what he's given you. 
And I said first 10%, if we had more time, we'd go into this idea of first fruits that is all through Scripture. That God talks about this idea of it being the first 10% and how that was important. The order in which it happens uh, matters to God. All right, so this is all talking about the Israelites 2,000 years ago. Does this matter for us today? Well, I want us to quickly look at how Jesus approached this. In the book of Matthew, there's a section, and it's amazing. Uh, Matthew 23, almost the whole chapter, Jesus is just tearing apart the religious leaders. Okay? Like, he just sets them up and just lays into them in, in this big, long monologue. It's amazing. All right? And, and he has this idea that he wants to talk to them about. Um, and I want us to look at a specific spot where he talks about tithing to these leaders. And this matters because when Jesus came on the scene, he changed everything. The way we live now is not governed by the Old Testament laws. All right, if it were, we could not have any clothing that isn't like 100% one material. All right, like I'm pretty sure all of us in this room would be breaking that right now. Like we are not governed by the Old Testament laws, uh, but instead by the teachings of Jesus. So what does he have to say about this Old Testament idea of tithing? So it says this, Matthew 23, verse 23. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. Right? Like, they were so legalistic about this, the religious leaders. They wanted to perfectly obey the law, but they often forgot or ignored the reasons why the law was there to begin with. They tithe their spices, like from their herb garden. Can you imagine going home today and pouring out your salt shaker and being like, all right, I got to count these and I got to get 10% of this. All right, like that would be ridiculous. All right, and for them though, it also, it was an agricultural society. We don't live in that anymore. Please do not try and drop ears of corn in the bucket next week. All right, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see you walk in with all these corn. Okay, Charlie, all right, I know. He, he's, one of our, he's one of our farmers, all right? If I, if I open up the box out there and someone has stuffed it filled with, like, soybeans, like, I'm not going to be happy. All right, like, we, we don't want that. That's, that's not where we are. This is, this is their culture. We're trying to bring this into ours. All right, so it continues. It says, but if you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Jesus says, you're so legalistic in this, but you're forgetting the more important parts, justice, mercy, and faith. It's important for us to not get so legalistic about this that we miss the heart behind it. And a lot of churches have reached that spot where they are so legalistic about this idea. All right? But Jesus goes on to say this, and, and, and oftentimes we miss this. Some people will be like, well, no, Jesus said we don't need to tithe. You know, he, he, he's yelling at them for this. He goes on to say, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Jesus says, you should be doing that. Now, he is ushering in a new way of living. He is ushering in the kingdom of God, bringing the kingdom of God, and he affirms the idea of tithing. All right, some people will say that, well, Jesus came, he fulfilled the law, and none of the law matters to us. All right, and I understand that to an extent, but let's remember what Jesus did with the law. Do we remember this? Like, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, says the law says don't murder. All right, I think we'd all agree that's a good law. But he actually takes the law and he ramps it up. He says the law says don't murder. I say if you are angry with somebody with no just cause, that it is equal. 
that you are still breaking the law. The law said don't commit adultery. Again, we would probably agree. It's a good law. Jesus says if you even look lustfully at someone, you have committed adultery in your heart. He always ups the ante. All right, so I'm not sure if we want to use the argument here that, well, you know, Jesus came and fulfilled it and we don't need to listen to it. All right, because if, if it was 10% and all of a sudden Jesus comes on the scene, you want to know what it was? He actually, he says this at one point. He grabs a coin. And he says, whose image is on the coin? It's Caesar. And he said, because they're asking, should we pay the taxes? He says, whose image is on the coin? Caesar. Then give to Caesar what is Caesar's. But give to God what is God's. What is he saying? Well, Caesar's image is stamped on a coin, so give him that coin. Well, where is God's image stamped? On you and me. From the beginning. We are made in the image of God. And that's exactly what people would have understood when Jesus said this. I think we often think of like that second part of that verse as just kind of passing. Jesus is saying, okay, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. That, that measly little coin, give it to him. But do you know what's stamped on you? And what you have to give to God? All of you. Everything. God's image is stamped on you and all of you belongs to him. All right? So what the tithe is, is a principle that we see put into place prior to God's law. Abraham, Jacob, God's law was not there. And it's a principle that they were practicing. And then the law comes along. And the law was basically meant to keep the Israelites from imploding while they waited for the Messiah. As the law was a babysitter for them. To say, okay, if I don't give you this law, you guys are going to screw this up so bad you won't even make it until the Messiah shows up. That's what the law was. And God puts the tithe into the law. And then the Messiah shows up. Jesus shows up. And what does he do? He affirms tithing. So we see it before the law, in the law, after the law. It continues all the way through this. All right, it, it is a principle that is in place to help make sure that you are, you are growing you are thriving in your walk with God. Sort of like prayer. Like there is not a law that says that you have to pray. But does it matter in your relationship with God? Absolutely. Your relationship is worse if you aren't praying and better if you are. And I would strongly argue that tithing is no different. There's a song that came on when we were praying this morning before service. And it says... Tear down my tradition, get, break up my religion. Your way is better. All right, God, your way is better. And, and that's, that's what a principle is, is us trying to live God's way. All right, so quickly, why should we follow this principle? Why would this make you unstuck and move you closer to God? Here's three ways, all right? First one is this, tithing puts God first in your life. God needs to be first in our lives. We're to have no other God before him. And if God isn't first in your finances, I don't know if you can make much of a case that God is first anywhere. All right, what we do with money shows where our heart is. I think that that's where it matters that we give the first 10%. When you get paid, wherever your money goes first, that's what matters most to you. All right, if the, if the mortgage gets paid first, then security matters most. If it goes into investments and savings, then your future matters most. If it goes into shopping, then you matter most. All right, when we give the first 10% to God, it shows that he matters 
most. And it takes faith to tithe. That's the way it's meant to be. All right, in, in uh, our Monday Night Life group this last week, we were talking about this idea of faith and action. And can action precede faith? Does it always need to be one way or the other? And what we decided on as a group as we're sitting there talking about this is that faith needs to come before action. All right, because if action comes first, then of course you believe that you can do it. You've already done it. It doesn't take faith at that point. After you've already done something, you don't need any faith to believe that you can do it. And when we pay everything else first in our life, all right, when we pay all of our bills and we do all of this, all of this, and then we take the last little bit and we say, okay, God, here you go. That takes zero faith to give God whatever is left over. All right, and when we pay everything else first and we give him what's left over, that's not a tithe, that's a tip. And God isn't our waiter, even though I think for some of us, that's the way that we treat him. And when we give the first 10%, we are saying, God, I have faith that you are going to bless me for being obedient and that the 90% that is left with your blessing will go further than the 100% without your blessing. That, that's what it's saying. 90% with God's blessing will go further than 100% without God's blessing. That's, that's what is happening here. What you put first is your priority. The second thing that tithing does, tithing keeps me involved in the vision of the church. I think that what has been happening in our church over the last two years is incredibly exciting. The things that have been happening, the lives that have been changed, like I, I nonstop, when I think about it, I just get so excited. All right, and we get to see a little bit of that on things like baptism Sundays when people get up and they share what God's doing in their life. And that's amazing. But there is so much more than that. All right? And for us, when we put our money into something, we become invested in it. That, that's kind of the definition of investment. All right, we will begin to care more deeply about what is going on and what is happening. If you were to buy stock in a company, you are going to begin to pay attention to what is happening in that company. You are going to check and see, okay, did it go up? Did it go down? What's going on in this? Like you are going to be invested. You are going to be focused on what is going on. There were seasons where the Israelites stopped tithing because they really had lost their affection for the house of the Lord. They were no longer invested in what God wanted for them. And some of you maybe don't feel very connected to the church. Maybe it's sort of like, oh, I, I make it when I can, uh, here and there. And, you know, you know I, I really think it's great when I am there. And you love hearing about what's going on. But there's this feeling like I'm not, I'm not really invested and focused. All right, tithing changes that. In Matthew 6, Jesus is teaching on possessions and money. And he says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. If your treasures are here, your heart will be here. The third way that we are impacted by tithing is this, and it's the most scriptural and yet honestly the hardest point, I think, for many of us to hear and like accept. All right? It's this. Tithing invites God to bless me in supernatural ways. And I think people get uncomfortable with this statement. And I think it's because it conjures up this idea of like a salesman tactic. Like you give so that you can get, and that's just not it. 
And we, we sang that in a song this morning, like, I'm not here for blessing. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. I don't show up on Sunday so that I can get blessing. Or maybe you've heard some flashy speaker wearing expensive clothing, saying all sorts of things, and, you know, and really in the end it's all just very self-serving. But the reality is this, what we see clearly spelled out in Scripture, when we live by the principles that God gives us, we live the best life that we can. And where many people get this wrong is that they automatically equate blessing with money or financial prosperity. And like we said earlier, blessing does not always mean that. Probably most of the time, it doesn't mean that. Because that's not the blessing that we need. As Americans, we are so incredibly wealthy. I said this to our teenagers on Wednesday. They're in the process of uh, giving to missions right now, kind of on this focus. I just said, like, the poorest person in the room is so wealthy in our world. But we spend so much time comparing ourselves to the people around us that we think, we have tricked ourselves into thinking that we are poor. Because we look at somebody else that, that maybe has more financially than us. And we think, well, I'm poor compared to them. But we, money is not what we need. And God tells us, he wants to bless us. He tells us to test him in this. I want us to look at Malachi 3.10 again, all right? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. All right, this right here, this is not my opinion. This is not a point that I wrote on the screen. This is scripture. This is what God has said. So even though this idea of God blessing us when we are faithful in this, sounds weird and sometimes it's hard for us to get that this is the principle that we see. All right, and there's something about living our life by the principles that God has laid out for us in Scripture. If there's an area in our life that we are struggling with, an area that is causing stress and anxiety, one of the smartest and best things we can do is to look at God's Word and see what it is that He says about that area. Are there principles that we could be living by that we currently aren't? And I think actually, many times, we're pretty good at doing this. Except for money. Like if we're struggling in a relationship, we're like, God, what, what do you have? How should I be doing this? I want to figure out what to do. But then it comes to money, and we're struggling with money, and we're stressed about money, and we don't know what to do about money and we're like, well, and I also don't want the church to talk about money. And the pushback is rarely because people are currently living their life by this principle. I don't know anybody that is living their life by this principle and saying, yeah, I do it, but it's dumb. If you're not doing it, you shouldn't. Like most people, like if they walk into church and they're like, we're talking about tithing, and they're someone that this is how they live, they're like, yes, this is awesome. Let's talk about this. The walls go up when we struggle with this and when we hang on so tightly to things. And money is definitely an area that causes stress and anxiety for so many of us. I think what makes this hard is the fact that many of God's principles in life require faith. I mean, after all, that is what our relationship with God is founded on, is faith. 
And faith oftentimes is not in harmony with our human logic and earthly wisdom. Many times what logic would tell us to do and what faith tells us to do is different. All right? Logic would say, keep all the money you can get your hands on because you need all of it to live off of. You are stressed about money. You need more money. Faith would say, by giving God back the first 10% that he's given me, that that 90% that's left is going to go further. That is not logical in any way. And I'm a very logical person. That is how I think. It makes no sense that I need money so I should give some away. And I remember a season, the church I grew up in in Little Falls. I remember hearing about a conversation that the board had. The church was in trouble financially. They were just in a rough season. And the board's all sitting there and they said, maybe we should, maybe we should cut a few missionaries that we're supporting. Because we're struggling to pay our bills. We're sending this money out. We're giving this money away. And I can't remember if it was, it was my grandpa or my dad was, were on the board at that time. And they're telling about the conversation. And in, in that moment, everyone's like, nope. You know what? We're going to pick up more missionaries. We can't pay our bills. Let's give more money away. And it was this completely counter-logical idea. And they stepped out in faith in this moment and, and God provided it's not logical. Can we just, can we stand across this room as we kind of close this out? The reason why God wants us to take this step of faith is because it always brings us closer to him. It brings us closer to him. All right, let me show you how changing our thinking brings us closer to God. This is what's going on inside the head of so many people, so many Christians, maybe even us in the room today. All right, once I get my money figured out, once I'm financially stable, then I will tithe. But that is independence that is speaking. And when we tithe, we become even more dependent on God. We say, God, my money is a mess and I need your help. And it draws us closer to him. All right, maybe, maybe people think, all of this is mine. I've worked hard for what I have. But if we're honest, that's, that's greed that's speaking. As we give what, what actually isn't ours in the first place, instead of greed, we begin to have generosity that is replacing that greed. I don't make enough money to do this. Well, that's fear speaking. And as we step out, our faith begins to grow and draw us closer to God. We replace fear with faith. Or we think there's no way this can work. That's doubt speaking. And as we give our, our trust in God begins to grow. Like despite what that thing is that's being said in your head, that people hear, the reality is, is the source of what is saying that isn't from God. And actually, when we begin to step out in faith, God removes that and replaces it with something that will draw us closer to Him. Maybe we do the math and we think about how much 10% is, and we think, wow, that, that's a lot of money to give away. And that's pride speaking. And as we give, humility 
begins to grow. And we remember that that's not mine to begin with. And all of this leads us to honoring God and to putting him first, to growing closer to him and more dependent on him. And all of that is what God wants in our relationship with him. And here's the thing. I want to make sure we understand this. God does not punish you for not tithing. All right? There's a difference between being punished and not being blessed. All right? That that is two different things. And it isn't God being petty and withholding from you. Like, oh, I have this whole blessing here, but man, until you start to do what I want you to do, I'm not going to give it to you. That's not what this is. The image of what this actually is. We have parables where Jesus is talking about this. God gives us certain things in life. And based on what we do with what he's given us, based on how we steward it, it opens us up for God to give us more because he can trust us because we are a good steward of what he has given us. He's saying, okay, this is what I'm giving you in life. Again, I'm not even talking money here. This is what I'm giving you in life. How are you going to live your life with that? And when we can say, God, I want to live my life by your principles, by the ways that you have laid this out, God is like, that's someone that can handle more. Because when I give them more, they're going to continue to use it the way that honors me. When there's someone that that is just really focused inward and saying, well, I need to focus on this. I need to worry about this. I need to keep this in my hands. God's like, if I give you more, it's going to stay in your hands. The entire gospel, the entire message of the Bible from the beginning, God is speaking to Abram and he he says this, I'm going to bless you to make you a blessing to all nations, to all people. It was always for God to work through us to bless those that don't know him. That's what it's been all the way through scripture. Why would we think that when it comes to what we have in life and our finances and how we steward it, that it would be any different? That is the picture of living with God's blessing. We aren't punished for not tithing. You won't notice some terrible thing that happens because of it. The problem is we just don't notice the absence of something truly great that God could do in our life. So we live our lives in this place of of ignorance of what life truly could be like. And we're just missing out on what it could be. So I want to do this. I don't have a massive step here. Today is one of those messages where it's like, this is what we see in Scripture. You need to take this. You need to pray about it. You need to digest it. You need to wrestle with it. Some of you guys right now, you've been wrestling this whole time. The moment I said we're talking about money and tithing, man, walls just shot up and you're like, I don't want to hear about this. All right? Okay. All right, if that's where you are, that's where you are. Like, bring that to God. The Psalms is filled with people bringing things to God and saying, God, I don't know about this. So I want us just to, I'm just going to pray over all of us in this room. Because I think this is one of the hardest things for us to really accept, believe, and live our life by. Because our world says the complete opposite. And that's true in so many areas. But for some reason, when it comes to money, we just don't understand that it's opposite and there's a better way. God, right now, I want to just 
pray over our church. God, first, I just thank you for the amazing generosity and obedience that so much of our church has. God, and that you have, you have provided for us time and time again. God, and I pray that our heart as a church, as an organization, would always be that when you provide for us, that we are looking for ways to bless others and to send that immediately back out. God, if there's any inside, anything inside of us that is trying to, to just keep things in, Lord, that you would convict us of that. And God, in the same way that we want to see that as an organization, as a church, God, I pray you would do that in our individual lives as well. God, if we have struggled with this idea, if we have constantly felt the legalism of it, God, that you would just honestly deliver us from that, that we would find freedom, that we begin to understand that this is not about legalism. This is not about following some law. This is not about somebody telling us we have to do this and checking in on all these different things and seeing how much we're giving. God, this is a principle that we can live our life by. So God, right now, I pray that you would just begin to work inside of every single one of us. And God, when it comes to money, that we would go to you. We would go to your word and look for wisdom of what to do with it. God, instead of turning to the world, to our friends, to family, to financial investors, whatever it would be, God, not that any of those things are bad, but that first and foremost, we would turn to you. The last thing before we close, I want to give an opportunity. We do this every week. If you're here today and you feel like, you know what? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't been living my life for God. And maybe this one area we're talking about is just one area. What, what I'm saying is my life, God, my life does not belong to you. And you want to make that decision to say, God, all of me is you. All of me is for you. All of me is yours. And you haven't made that decision before. I know so many people in this room, we are doing our best to live our life for Jesus and we screw up daily. We screw up often. But we've made this decision to try and follow you and live for you. But if you're in the room today and you have not made that decision and you want to make that decision right now, I want to give you an opportunity. So if that's you and you would say, God, I want to live for you, would you just slip your hand up right now? Yeah. Yep. Can we just say this together, just even as a declaration? And, and maybe for you, this is over your entire life. Maybe right now you have a certain area of your life that you've been stuck, and you're going to say this prayer with that area in mind. Maybe it's finances, maybe it's something completely different. But Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rescuing me taking away all my mistakes. Jesus, I want to live for you. Help me to do that the rest of my life. Amen. Amen. 
If you said that for the first time or if you were saying that and your idea was my entire life, I want to give it to Jesus. I want you to come and talk to me. There's a box on the Connect card you could check that says I gave my life to Jesus and drop that in the box. The reason being... Uh, This is not something that we can do on our own. We need each other. That's what the church is for. I want to connect with you. I want to help you take those steps, walk forward in a relationship with God. Uh, And for the rest of us, I just hope that every area of our life that we can say that about, not just certain areas, but that we want to live for God with everything we have. All right, thanks for being here today, guys. You guys are dismissed.